0: From to Japan, I'm Frank Ling, and you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. Coming up from today's show, Dr. Jeffrey McLean joins us to talk about the dark matter of life. So, stay right here, we'll be back in a few moments. Welcome back to the program. They surround us and a livingness. Uh, They're bacteria. While most scientists have known that these microbes are benign, uh, in the public mind uh, bacteria is often associated with pathogens and uh, diseases. Well, in recent research, uh, scientists have uh, finally begun to understand the mysteries of the benign and ubiquitous bacteria that live all over the planet. Well, joining us today is Dr. Jeffrey McLean, a scientist with the Craig Venter Institute, who will be telling us about his research in decoding the genome of these bacteria. Uh, Dr. McLean, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Grok Science Show.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you for your interest.
0: You've written a very interesting paper that was published recently in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. In it, you talk about your work in decoding uh, this particular phyla of bacteria, uh, TM6. Uh, could you tell us uh, a little bit about this phyla and how uh, the work got started? The,
1: the phyla itself has been known since existence uh, around 96, where an early study found it in, a, in a, associated with a peat bog, and there they gave it the name. TM, uh, among with other uh, species they've found, um, or 60 net sequences, sorry. And this has uh, then been discovered in many other uh, environments, including like acid mine biofilms and acidic caves and wastewater biofilms, um, hypersaline mats, and uh, even in our water distribution systems, and as well as showerhead uh, biofilms. So. This is a candidate phylum, and many of these candidate phylum have been seen by their, their uh, 16S rRNA ribosomal RNA profiles, but to the state, that's about the only uh, thing we know about them. We know they exist. Uh, we know they're present in typically lower abundance than other organisms, uh, but they have eluded uh, standard cultivation techniques.
0: Okay, so when you say cultivation, that means you're not able to reproduce it in laboratory conditions, is that right?
1: Correct, yes. Just from the the sequencing of one uh, phylogenetic marker gene, the 16S ribosomal RNA, these organisms have been found, and there's roughly 60 of these phyla level uncultivated groups, basically, and they... The majority of them are uncultivated at this time. But, um, people are slowly uh, starting to cultivate them, uh, but the first uh, step is, uh, in the absence of cultivation, we can we can capture their genomes. Mm-hmm. And the tool the tools that were developed in Roger Laskin's lab here at the J Craig Venter Institute enables one to amplify the DNA of it from a single cell uh, using this multiple this multiple displacement. Ampl- or MDA for short. Mm-hmm. And so this MDA reaction can take the DNA from a single cell, make billions of copies, and enable us to, to sequence the entire genome. And so this, this tool has really opened the door for discovery of all kinds of organisms. And, of course, uh, many of these phyla level uncultivated species have been captured in this manner. So this this study represents our survey of the indoor environment, mm-hmm. actually a hospital uh, where we were interested in, um, and this is work funded through the Sloan Foundation, mm-hmm. as well as through NIH, um, the National Institutes of Health. So the goal was to have a look at what's in the environment in a hospital, and we felt single-cell sequencing was a really um, a needed tool accurately determine the sequence of an organism to determine Mm -hmm. if it's a virulent one or benign or um, in this case uh, something that we've never seen before and actually last month we published a related paper where we found pathogens in the same biofilm sample and this is uh, so work done it's in uh, genome research Mm -hmm. and we were able to reconstruct the whole genome from a single cell, uh, and this is for a, a periodontal pathogen. But we have found other interesting uh, potential pathogens
0: in the biofilm. So you, you mentioned that uh, you were able to sequence this by amplifying from one single cell. Uh, in terms of their density, how many of these types of bacteria do you find, you know, in terms of percentage over the regular types of bacteria that we usually... Uh, observe?
1: Well, the these particular ones in the environment are typically less than one percent of the population. These candidate phyla um, and even pathogens within a biofilm may be that low as well. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why this, this study um, is significant, not just because we found this genome, but that we developed a kind of an, a bridging technique between single-cell sequencing, which goes from single cells uh, to sequence full genomes or partial genomes mm-hmm. or uh, and a bridge between that and metagenomics which takes a sample and, and you uh, sequence all the DNA in the sample mm-hmm. which can be pretty complex mm-hmm. and so this is a what we did is we sorted not just one cell but hundreds of cells or up to a hundred cells and in that sense we were able to decrease the Complexity from a metagenome, but mm-hmm. increase the complexity from a single cell, but increase the likelihood, or it's, we have a, a good probability of capturing a cell of, of rare abundance, um, say like forty percent. But if we do a hundred cells, um, we can probably do this more economically. And so, this study, uh, when we did this, we found the sequence for this TM six, and I knew see. it was a low species. And so, um, so the other aspect is during the amplification of a single cell, often you can, uh, have recovery of 10 to 100% of the genome, Mm -hmm. uh, and it varies, and we really don't know why that varies, but if you have several cells, typically you get a a more complete genome. Mm -hmm. So this approach kind of takes all these benefits of, of, uh, adding more cells, uh, less number of uh, wells to sequence, which is more cost effective, and it increases the likelihood that we would capture uh, low abundant species. So that's the technique development there.
0: You know, I I guess implications are quite significant in terms of genomics in general, so you're talking about vastly reducing the costs of sequencing virtually anything, right?
1: Yes, I think it's still somewhat expensive to do single cell sequencing and so although the cost is coming down and the sequencing is getting cheaper you still have to do quite a number of of single cells to get a low abundant species with this technique we we reduce the cost dramatically and I think we increased the the coverage and the ability to assemble in this case we assembled um, the majority of this genome, we think about 90% of the genome, in only seven continuous pieces or contigs. And each of those contigs had a lot of sequence reads assigned to them. And typically, you know, uh, if you have a cell in culture and you sequence it, you might not get that type of um, assembled assembled contigs. Uh, It it depends on the genome, but um, certainly from a single cell, you have much more uneven coverage. And uh, and that's one of the other uh, aspects of this paper is that uh, we had we use, our uh, collaborators um, have developed a single cell assembly tool called SPADE. Mm-hmm. And this is a new assembler that takes into account the variability of, of a, of a amp single cell amplified by the MPA reaction. So these are collaborators, uh, Glenn Tesler and, and Pesner and his group in uh, in the Russian Academy of Sciences um, as well as the UCSD. so I, with all these uh, challenges the, the single cell assembly tool Spades seemed to do an excellent job uh, far beyond that of the other assemblers so we had a lot of a lot of uh, help in that, in that regard. Mm-hmm. so I think this re- represents a, a nice step forward and a nice bridge between single-cell sequencing and, and metagenomics.
0: In the press release, you refer to this phyla as the dark matter of life. Uh, how, how does that uh, definition stick? Uh,
1: it's not the first time that term has been used or a, a, a similar term. Um, some people say microbial dark matter or the dark matter of life. Um, more or less, a, a term to describe the things that we don't know um, about these uncultured bacteria, and it's, it's become a kind of a catchy term. But you know, in some sense, it's true. We we know it's there, but we don't know anything about it beyond that single gene at this point. There's several other research groups doing single-cell sequencing, and, and some of them have adopted this dark matter descriptor.
0: I see. So it's been said that like about 90 percent of the Earth's species of plants and animals are, have still not been classified or identified. Uh, in terms of bacteria, you know what percentage of the phyla are, are still not known?
1: Well, um, you know the early estimates were that we're, we only have in culture about one of the, percent of the microbial diversity, so things we actually can bring into the lab. Mm. Compared to what the diversity is in the environment, so mm. this is a huge gap. And there's also this this uh, thing called the great plate anomaly, which was recognized uh, when you take an environmental sample and you plate it on a on a petri dish, and you compare what you see in the microscope, the number of cells, and what you can grow. There's it, a big discrepancy there, and, and so that we know that it's just harder to bring things into culture. That being said, um, these phyla could be very diverse, and we certainly see, for TM6, sequences all over the globe, um, very different environments, and the genomes of each of those organisms, although they they share a commonality being maybe designated under the phylum TM6, could be very different in their, their genomes and their functions. And this is true for a lot of phyla, but some phyla are also very restrictive. So you could have one member, two members, or hundreds of members. Um, and so we really don't know at this time the culture requirements for uh, for a lot of these. And yeah, I guess so. One of the, so one of the interesting aspects of, of this research was that um, PM6 seemed to be in the literature associated with biofilms. We certainly found it in the biofilm, um, but the genome hinted at something more interesting going on. The The genome appeared to have genes associated with uh, living in, inside a host, and in mm-hmm. this case, very similar to, to um, other organisms that live within amoeba. Does
0: that imply that this Phyla could also live uh, inside other bacteria.
1: Um, so the amoeba is a, a protist host, and uh, it actually um, well, there's I guess there's two aspects. It, it could live with other bacteria. Um, we don't know how big it is, but it could. There's only a couple examples of bacteria living right on another bacteria, like parasitically. But um, it could live in the environment of a biofilm. Um, it, it can't, it doesn't seem to be able to make most of its amino acids and vitamins, and, and uh, so we don't think it can live by itself. It needs a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were, again, hints at the ge- inside the genome that it could live within a, an amoeba. And there's many bacteria that, um, are either obligate endosymbionts, they're called, so they live inside amoeba. There's symbionts of an amoeba. But there's also obligate ones, uh, sorry, facultative ones that can live inside amoeba or outside. Um, and, the, and it's actually, the list is very interesting. If you look at, uh, what is known to be either obligate or facultative with a symbiont, many of the facultative symbionts are, are very serious pathogens, uh, such as Legionella, Vibrio, Helicobacter, Francisella, Listeria,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so the, the list is pretty interesting, and, and uh, I found it interesting uh, researching this. Since um, you know, it seems that our genome of team six seemed to point that it could live in there, and I was surprised at, at how many pathogens could live in an amoeba, and, and are found within amoeba. And I found that uh, researchers has developed such that they believe. Pathogens such as Legionella have developed the ability to live in a human host by first passing through an amoeba and being able to live in an amoeba. So, like Legionella will will live within macrophages within human cells, and it's they think it's a similar mechanism in an amoeba.
0: Oh, I see. So it's traversing through multiple hosts as it finally attacks, you know, a human cell. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think that's the, the thought is that they've evolved to live within amoeba and that ability has allowed them to colonize and live within human cells. And so, in, in, you know, it, it begs the question of whether TM6 could do the same thing or, or, or has the potential to do the same, same thing. And we, we don't know at this point, obviously, but one of the interesting aspects is that maybe this is a way to culture TM6 and by using the amoeba as a host, and certainly people have used amoeba to culture things like these pathogens. And, uh, so we'd like to pursue that and try to culture TM6 with an amoeba host. See if that works. It could also explain why it's uncultured to, to this date. Mm-hmm. If it needs a host that, you know, is, is normally not a standard culturing, uh, technique. Um, and this could explain maybe other uncultured bacteria at this point. I see. Some sort of host that you know people haven't tried
0: yet. Basically. So you mentioned uh, these biofilms, uh, microbial communities where species of bacteria um, coexist. um, You know, also with viruses and uh, fungi. What what if you culture the biofilm itself? In order to extract uh, the the different species in that, w- would that be a easier way to grow them?
1: I th- I think growing them um, together in the lab is, is certainly a possibility. In, in my other uh, research endeavors on the oral microbiome, I actually study the oral microbiome. Uh, so we we grow oral bacteria in the lab from inoculating from inoculating from saliva, and we have some uncultivated phyla within the lab in a mixed biofilm, but we have not been able to grow them by themselves. So mm-hmm. to get to isolation with the isolation to single cells, and a lot of times they need a partner, another bacteria. There's something specific about that partnership that allows them to be moved into culture, and until you find that you may not be able to keep have it grow by itself. So there'll be re- culture requirements that will maintain a pure culture. Um, and that's the challenge right now for a lot of these, these phyla is to find out who their partner is or what particular um, metabolite or condition will allow them to grow in the lab.
0: You know, it's been a fascinating discussion. I know uh, we talk most about bacteria today uh, what other microorganisms do you also try to sequence?
1: Um, we with Roger Dawkins Lach- group and the human microbiome effort uh, led by uh, at JCBI the, the Karen Nelson and Barbara mesay we have sorted single cells from a, a number of sh- uh, human environments so the oral cavity, fecal skin um, everything trying to, capture species that we haven't been seen, seen before or are uncultivated. And these are part of a larger effort of the Human Microbiome Project, so we submitted those to the sequencing centers, and those are becoming public as, as, uh, and added to the collection of reference genomes that the Human Microbiome Project has generated. We'd li- like to go back to the hospital and you know, use this system more and make more discoveries and increase the throughput so that we can do uh, more types of environments and more samples and ultimately link what we find in the environment to what's found associated with a disease or, or a patient. And uh, so we think this this technique is very powerful and it's already been shown to uh, make a lot of headway with these uncultivated phyla and other interesting bacteria. Roger Laskin himself has several other projects um, with other people, like doing deep sea environments, and uh, and a lot of the global ocean survey samples come through, and uh, single cells have been captured that way. So it, it it's widely applied and has a lot of potential to move towards human health. Wow,
0: well, it looks like there's a lot of mysteries with regarding the science of bacteria. So I understand you're you know you're working with uh, Craig Venter himself. Um, who's led one of the teams in sequencing the human genome and i understand he's also trying to sequence uh... bacteria from all different uh... sources around the world could you tell us a little bit about the institute and you know some of its overarching goals you
1: no know, i i think our goal at the craig venter institute is to do life-changing science mm-hmm. and um, really try to make an impact and certainly in you know, with these large, really innovative efforts such as the human microbiome, the synthetic bacterial cell, um, the global ocean survey, and smaller level accomplishments such as our work on single cells, you know, really can make an impact. And, and I think that's the overall goal of the institute.
0: So, what is it like working with them? <laughs> well, we
1: uh, we interact. Periodically, and uh, it's amazing, you know, to to really get inspired by when he tells us about, you know, the new advances and how, uh, you know, just getting a, a feel about, you know, how to do science on a, a whole another level, and uh, keeps us all motivated.
0: Great, great. Well, I guess we're running uh, a little bit out of time. Are there any last words you'd like to add about yourself or the work you're doing?
1: Uh, just that, again, I'd like to mention the, the funding through the Sloan Foundation and uh, the National, National Institutes of Health Projects, and that, you know, it's a real team effort, and everyone on the, um, that is on the paper is uh, to be thanked, and uh, they put a lot of effort into this.
0: <laughs> Great. Well, uh, Dr. McLean, thank you so much for joining us here on the Grok Science Show. And we were just talking to Dr. Jeffrey McLean from the Craig Venter Institute in La Jolla, California. We were talking about the dark matter of life, the sequencing of phyla, PM61. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in again next week for more from the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. You can email us at science at groks.net. check us out on the web at www.grox.net. and see us on Facebook or Twitter. For Grock Science, I'm Frank Ling. Stay tuned here for more music.